Hello and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek. And I'm Julie Holland. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business and Twitch of the Death Nerve, along with the latest addition to the network, The Shameless, which is a film podcast centered around the idea of exploring titles on the shame list of co-hosts Michael Veers and Nick Richards, with great hosts and interviewees popping in to give their takes. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Cinepunks, that is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Another way to help out the network and the show is to visit their great sponsors like Essex Coffee Roasters. Essex Coffee Roasters offers specialty-grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. They are committed to accessible quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. Essex founder Aaron Dahlbeck spent years on the road and touring bands, often questing for that great cup of coffee between shows. That experience informs Essex as they strive to make high-quality coffee accessible to people across the country. Many coffees are stored for months or more after roasting, offering a stale cup. Essex roasts each cup to order as they, as they come in. Essex roasts each order as they come in. Sorry. To ensure your quality at home. Essex Coffee Roasters believes you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. And right now, if you use code CINEPUNKS at checkout, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, you'll get 10% off. Also, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but maybe also the world, personal and professional, the only place where you get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. You can find them at XLVACX, um, and they do all of the Cinepunks and Rough Cut shirts, and they're gorgeous, and you should buy some. Very quality stuff. All right, time for our getting to know you question. This episode, the question is, Nick, what are some of your favorite masks from horror movies? I, as soon as you like proposed this earlier today, I was like, oh man, like <laughs> it's so hard. There's so hard. many. Um, I am going to go with though, um, I'm going to say that I think my favorite actual like scary mask is the one from Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, it is it looks like a creepy burned doll um, and terrifies me and it's it looks enough like another you know like it falls within that that pantheon I guess but it's also something new and disturbing and when you kind of pair it with his overalls it's this creepy like grown-up child monster yeah. um, but I would say like my favorite favorite just regardless but i think it's maybe a little too adorable to go in is uh sam from trick-or-treat like i was gonna that, mention that one like that burlap sack like it's it's adorable like um mm -hmm. i have a little tiny like figurine that lives in the basement um that i like when i got from like one of those blind pack you know like where it's like yeah yeah you get the box and you tear it open and you find out like what you get when you finally get into it i was so excited that that was like the first one I bought and I like he is iconic at this point like I mean like mm -hmm. Spirit Halloween like leans hard they have a Sam section yeah yeah it's crazy and I just I love the fact that it's a movie that like was sort of like shunted off to video years after you know two years after it was originally supposed to come out has now become like iconic to where like the biggest like Halloween store in the country like now has their own section for him what about you yeah well i was also going to mention sam because what i like about him is that that adorable mask hides something even worse <laughs> so you're just like a mask is scary enough oh but he's much scarier without it um obviously the goat mask the best mask michael myers um for me personally just because he's my favorite i also really like the mask in happy death day Oh, yeah. even though like it's so impractical, like committing murders in a mask that big. But that, I think that's why I like it, because it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like you would see that coming at you and you would not think I'm about to get murdered. 
and then you would get murdered or attempted murdered. <laughs> I I have become a big fan of movies that take just regular masks that you see uh and like turn them into something kind of like their own. Like I I think it's brilliant that Scream uses a mask they just went and bought at a store. Yeah. Like, or like anytime Anytime a movie uses that mask, a lot of them use this one. That's like a clear mask with makeup painted on it. Mm-hmm. So um, it, once it's on your face, it just looks weird. I don't know what that mask is, but Alice, sweet Alice, like that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Masks um, scare me in real life. Like <laughs> Halloween, I love Halloween, but I'm terrified of a person in a mask if I don't know who it is. Um, grown adult. Yeah. Also, like like all the like the animal masks in uh your next like mm-hmm. just like stuff you can go buy at a store and i think it, it's fun because it means you can like cosplay or dress up for that movie yeah and just have all the fun you want plus it's scarier because if someone was going to wear a mask and murder you in real life they would probably just buy one off the shelf they're probably not going to handcraft a mask to go murder people if that were going to happen in real life um th- my I don't even know if this counts. Have you seen the movie Hellfest? Yes. The killer's mask in that is fine, but the very, like, we're, I'm going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen Hellfest, skip ahead like a minute. Um, Like when he gets home and goes to his garage and opens up that cabinet and there's all the other masks in there. Uh, That was my favorite part of the whole movie where it was just like, oh, this movie's kind of not great, but yeah. like, that's a really cool that's a cool touch. Yeah, that is cool. It opens he had up, options. It opens up the world and makes you wonder what he's done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, reach out. Tell us what your favorite masks in horror. I'm sure we forgot some. I know there's like a oh, for sure. listicles um, out there that talk about this um, that um, I, some of which I looked at and found them like, oh, that's pushing it. But all right. Yeah. um but yeah hit us up on the on the socials at report carnage and let us know what you think yeah time for new nightmares our roundup of trailers things that are new to streaming coming soon to theaters so on and so forth where are we starting off with julie we're starting with the big one we got the first trailer for halloween ends do we think halloween really ends i doubt it we'll see can't wait to find out it looks i mean it's a pretty short little trailer that's fine i like to keep it that way it looks like it's just gonna be michael and laurie going head to head to see who's gonna come out on top I know who I think will come out on top. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I've liked these reboots and the, the subsequent sequels. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about them? Have you liked the, the reboot? I like, I like the first one. I was not <laughs> super thrilled with Halloween Kills, but yeah. given they planned it out as a trilogy, so I'm looking at it as sort of like the second act that mm-hmm. will change and i love the idea that for halloween kills they're jumping ahead like four years yeah yeah i looked at halloween kills as that that bridge in a trilogy where the the middle movie you're like well we gotta have it but it's it's not gonna be anyone's highlight probably no i mean there's some cool stuff in there and like mm-hmm. all the little nods here and there and uh like i appreciate that but yeah yeah the evil dies tonight <laughs> it was a little much (laughs) it's a lot much (laughs) um do do appreciate um the the little like nods they they gave in like the tv broadcast i think that's one of my favorite easter eggs that's ever existed Mm -hmm. but it's i'm excited i think it goes without saying that i'll be at the theater for this one (laughs) 
yeah i hope it does actually get like a good theatrical release i did i enjoyed the hell out of seeing the the 2018 one in the theater it was a with a crowd it was a blast yeah uh speaking of things i saw uh in theater uh was um ty west's x earlier this year and in september we get to see the prequel because they finally put out the trailer for pearl um which sees mia goth reprise like her role as pearl um but set in 1918 which like i believe it is like just at the end of world war one and it just looks amazing it looks like it looks Mm -hmm. totally different like like but the tone is like weirdly upbeat and terrifying (laughs) yeah and it's you don't get a lot of horror set in that time frame i feel like i think that's really cool yeah i feel like interestingly enough the the new sandman series that just dropped on netflix um the first episode is set in like 1916 um and while it's more like fantasy than horror i'm like oh like the costumes are so awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun yeah when you think about how quickly this prequel came together like how they just had the idea while they were in quarantine before shooting x and then how much you'd have to put together for a period piece like that it's Mm -hmm. kind of amazing to think about they got that all together filmed it and got it all you know and and now we get it this quickly yeah it's it's i i i i can't think of any other time where it's just like oh hey did you like this movie we've got more yeah we went ahead made you another one yeah and you get to see it in like six months like that blows my mind yeah super excited about that one something else to be excited about another trailer uh chucky season two uh chuck chucky's back he's back again it sounds like they're gonna loop in i don't if you watch the first series they loop in a lot of the lore a lot of the the franchise comes back i think that it looks like they're gonna loop in even more we're gonna get some glenn and glinda the uh love child of chucky and tiffany if you like some the seed is maybe one of the most divisive (laughs) in the in the franchise seed of chucky uh the trailer looks super fun the first season was super fun i like chucky i think it's a i think it's a really solid franchise overall um i'm pretty excited about it i actually still need to finish season one because i'm really bad at finishing tv shows (laughs) but I will finish it before this next one starts, which it does start in October. Oh, so I, perfect. Yeah. October I 5th. Need, I need to watch the first season. I have not started it. Um because oh. it's on Peacock, right? Sci-fi. Sci-fi. It's I think it's streaming now on Peacock. Okay. It probably is, yeah. Um, I can't ever remember which which channels go with which streamers. <laughs> yeah and i think that's the reason i hadn't watched it is because i didn't have like we don't have cable so like i wasn't mm-hmm. able to watch it when it first aired and so i had to wait for it to hit streaming and then i it got lost in the churn there's so much there's so much it's really worth watching it it's an interesting way to bring it back i found it really cool all right well i will check it out um so this is the like i would say the this movie uh that i'm about to talk about is the most blatant example of product placement in a film uh since mac and me um, <laughs> uh, and it because it is spirit halloween the movie um and uh so like i've been hearing about this off and on and they finally dropped the trailer and it is when a spirit halloween store opens in a deserted strip mall natch um three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night in locked inside the store halloween night but they soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has pos- excuse me who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters the kids will need to embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid being possessed themselves um it sounds kind of like five nights at freddy's um but in spirit halloween store um i watched the trailer it looks like fun like i will it, it looks so fun i like i'm i'm a sucker for like kid adjacent like you know like something that gets mm-hmm. kids into halloween and like i feel like setting it inside a gigantic spirit halloween store gives like all kinds of opportunities for like because wandering through those stores like during like at 10 o'clock on a saturday is kind of creepy sometimes 
Yeah, they are a jump scare in real life. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Like, honestly, like, I, I, I don't hate, like, I heard about it and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then I saw, like, saw the trailer and I was like, oh, I'm in. Same. I was like, uh, that's hokey. But the trailer looks awesome. Christopher Lloyd, Rachel Lee Cook. And at least they're being upfront about their product placement. I don't have to get in there and be like, I'm sorry, did Pizza Hut pay for this movie? Like, I just know up front, Spirit Halloween did this, and it looks pretty good to me. Yeah. Cool yeah. premise. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to see that, like, Rachel Lee Cook is doing things that aren't, like, Lifetime movies, so good for on For real. Her. Although, her latest Lifetime movie, or it was a Hallmark movie, was pretty good. Hallmark, sorry. <laughs> What's the di- Well, there is a difference, but there's less murder on Hallmark. <laughs> All right. Speaking of murder, up next. Well, it's not really murder. Um, we both love Grady Hendrix. He had a great book called My Best Friend's Exorcism, and it is coming. It is becoming a movie, and it is coming to which streamer? Amazon Prime on September 30th. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the synopsis. The year is 1988. High school sophomores Abby and Gretchen have been best friends since fourth grade. But after an evening of skinny dipping gone disastrously wrong, Gretchen begins to act different. She's moody, she's irritable, and bizarre incidents keep happening whenever she's nearby. Abby's investigation leads her to some startling discoveries, and by the time their story reaches its terrifying conclusion, the fate of Abby and Gretchen will be determined by a single question. Is their friendship powerful enough enough to beat the devil? I loved this book. I'm very excited for this. It has been so long since I've read it that I cannot remember most of the plot to it so i'm very excited um uh i'm very excited to see this because it'll be newish to me i think it's actually one of the few grady hendrix books i haven't like reread like i think i've only read it once yeah i think i think it hit me because i maybe it's because i'm a girl and i had a best friend from fourth grade through high school that you know, she did not get possessed, nor did I, but I could see this happening. Like so much of it outside of the supernatural really felt like, it's like, how does Grady Hendrix write so well from a teenage female perspective? But he really does. I'm he just really that, nails it. Like, I mean, like a lot of his protagonists are like women or girls, like almost exclusively, which I think, at, mm-hmm. um, uh, like he's the anti Riley Sager. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, any chance to shit talk Riley Sager? I will <laughs> take in a heartbeat. Yeah, no. Um, I can't wait for the see what the trailer looks like. It should. I'm. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed we don't have a trailer yet. September 30th is pretty close, but I'm sure we'll get it. I have today feels like kind of a light news day for us, and mm-hmm. I have a feeling the next like month and a half of episodes are just gonna be like balls to the wall trailers and news. <laughs> we're in it we're in the season yeah it is like this is this is the calm before the storm yeah Uh, but even that like there's all this stuff that's coming out case in point here's another thing we don't have a trailer for but um it is coming to netflix in october it is called the curse of bridge hollow um which looks like another sort of like kid-friendly thing um it is um that like we don't have much of anything we just have like a few images um but it stars uh marlon wayans and priya ferguson um and the curse of bridge hollow focuses on sydney a teenager who accidentally sets an ancient spirit loose on halloween um it then uh begins to possess halloween decoration and cause chaos um throughout town uh, she has to uh, team up with her father, played by Marlon Wayans, uh, to fix everything. I'm like, uh, sounds fun. It's got mm-hmm. like a lot of, it's got Lauren Lapkus in it. It's got Kelly Rowlands. Mm, uh, yep. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, all right. Like, and I think we know that Marlon Wayans can do like horror comedy mm-hmm. like, from the um, scary movie franchise, which, yeah. You can, you, whether you like it or not, I still think the first one kind of holds up. Mm-hmm. and even though all we have are stills like these stills look great it's just like three pictures and they make me want to see it the colors and the the i don't know they just look great it looks very like the colors are very it's very shiny yeah yes. um so i'm excited 
Yes. All right. Something else. This is a ways out, but to get excited about um, Hulu is adapting the best-selling novel by Eric Larson, Devil in the White City. Uh, it'll be a series and there's a lot of big names attached to it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio bought the rights to this like 10 years ago and he and Martin Scorsese have been like, I think, trying to get it together ever since. And they finally found a home for it, directing at least the first couple of episodes and show running will be Sam Shaw from Castle Rock and the biggest probably news is that it they have locked in Keanu Reeves and I, no one knows yet what role he's going to play he might be play okay so the the novel tells the story of demanding visionary architect Daniel H. Burnham who sets out to make history at the Chicago World's Fair while Dr. H.H. Holmes, America's first modern serial killer and the man behind the notorious murder castle lurks in the shadows of the world's Columbian exposition in 1893 Chicago. So we don't know if Keanu is playing the architect or the serial killer, but he's going to nail it as as his Keanu-ness does <laughs> either way, I'm sure. Um, I think anything that gets more people to read uh, Eric Larson books, um, I am... 100% behind uh that book is great um and uh it's it's historical fiction but it's not like mm -hmm. I mean it's a it's a story that already sounds like fiction the parts that we know are true right so yeah doesn't I take first, much I first to... read about the murder castle and like uh were when you were a kid were you like one of those people who would read like the guinness book of world records and yeah uh my favorite thing to do like because my my mom was like big on going to use bookstores and stuff and i would always tag along because yo free books uh mm -hmm. and i i loved finding like old guinness book of world records like find them from like the 50s or 60s or whatever and there was one that had like an entry on the murder castle and i was just like what is yeah. this insanity um i can't even remember why it was in there but it was like, like, I, I don't know why it would be in there, but it had weird things about that. Like, aside from being murdery, right? Like, it had a bunch of hidden compartments and whatnot, right? Yeah, there was, like, like slides that would, like, send people to the basement. There was, like, a gigantic pit of, like, lie. And, like, it was, and there's a lot of, like, because they didn't, because when it happened, like, they didn't take pictures as they went through and there aren't like even like sketches or anything so it's like it exists purely from descriptions and like there's been a lot of stuff in recent years where they've talked about like the idea of like whether it's hyperbole or not yeah and like whether it was or if it was he was just a guy who just killed people yeah, yeah. i mean sounds chill slide into a pit of lie <laughs> uh so uh the fantasia international film festival um wrapped up uh its 26th edition um on august 3rd um and while they had announced jury prizes um at the end of last month they this week um literally yesterday they announced all of the audience awards which i feel are always like the more interesting ones to look at um and you can find all of them at fantasiafestival.com in their press section but like there are some like i always go through and just like start looking and seeing like what what's up um the the gold for uh best international feature is a movie called the artifice girl which looks like a crazy it's like about a vigilante like an internet vigilante who's like comes up with like this ai to like fool like internet predators um Wild. And then it's supposed to get real weird from there. Like you watch the, the trailer's only like a minute long and it's very uncomfortable. Um, the bronze went to Deadstream, which I keep hearing a lot about, um, which it, I keep hearing it described as like if Sam Raimi made a, like a horror movie about a Twitch streamer. Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about found footage anymore at this point, but I'm always down to see something new. So mm -hmm. um there's that and what was the other one? Oh, uh the one that I am most excited about was the silver winner for uh, best canadian feature uh which is called Cult Hero um which is a looks like a very over the top movie about a uh cult like not a deprogrammer just like somebody who goes in and just fucks shit up. 
I see the photo here. He appears to have a flamethrower. Yeah. uh, Another part in the trailer, he definitely like slashes a guy's throat using like a hedge trimmer. So nice. I'm down. Uh, Also, um, a movie I'm sure we'll hear more about like as it gets closer uh, to coming out is the the bronze uh, award went to relax. I'm from the future, which is from director Luke Higginson, which is based on a short he did about 10 years ago. Um, which you can find on Vimeo and I highly recommend watching. It's only five minutes long and it is, it's funny. It's weird. Uh, you'll laugh your ass off at the very end um, nice. and at various points through it. But uh, this is like very much an expansion of the idea in it. Um, but yeah, like cool. uh, always uh, Fantasia always has some really fun news coming out of it. And like, those are some of the things I feel like you should definitely check out. It's definitely a good way to know what to keep an eye out for. Yeah, in the next like year or two. Yeah. All right. One final bit of news that is also just some news to for the future to think about, to get excited about. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller has been slated to star in a Teen, Wal- teen Wolf spinoff series called Wolfpack. It'll be on Paramount+. Plus. Obviously, this is not her first go around with a horror, horror adjacent series. Um, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, I'm sure, are going to be stoked. This was announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, it's the spinoff of the series, the Teen Wolf series that was on MTV, which is kind of a, I think it was, I didn't actually watch it because I haven't had MTV in a very long time. But I believe it was a, like an update of the 80s movie, kind mm-hmm. of, with differences. Uh, so Wolfpack follows teenage boy Armani Jackson and girl Bella Shepard whose lives are forever changed when a California wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural creature. Sarah Michelle Gellar stars as an arson investigator, Kristen Ramsey, a highly regarded expert in her field and no stranger to personal loss, brought in by authorities to catch the teenage arsonist who started a massive wildfire which may have also led to the reawakening of a supernatural predator terrorizing Los Angeles. Sounds like a pretty cool idea for a show. Yeah, I still don't know if I'm getting Paramount Plus or not. Like, if, yeah. if like if Beavis and Butthead wasn't enough to like push me over the edge, <laughs> um, I don't, I yeah. don't know. Gonna, if the yeah. ability to rewatch the first three seasons of the Real World wasn't enough to push me over, I don't know if anything <laughs> can. But I think about it. I think I have a friend who has it, so maybe I can, maybe I can tap out a hey, give me your yeah. My brother lives like way out in the county like north of lawrence and he is finally getting internet to his house um and so like once he finally gets it within the next couple of months um he my sister and i are all gonna sit down and like divvy up who pays for like what streaming service and then just trade passwords (laughs) um, uh so that we can everybody can watch everything but you only have to pay for like two third (laughs) say everybody saves a ton of money i need to get some siblings (laughs) <laughs> only child problems I don't have anyone to share these things with <laughs> uh... but that's not totally true I do have some friends that that we share some passwords so. <laughs> friends so are the family you make or the family you choose <laughs> yes yes Jean Rollin had the greatest passion ever in making films he loved making films he was very unhappy when he didn't make it. He had a passion for everything that he did in his life. I've always looked at him as one of the true, authentic, independent filmmakers in film history. His films were, I think, mainly about two things, dreams and memories, much more than being a typical horror filmmaker. Uh, Roland was a true outsider. He had a very unique personal vision. His films are very difficult to define in terms of genre. They're not strictly horror films, they're not strictly exploitation films. I always think of them as just Roland films. He made a wonderfully strange and poetic cinema located in castles and graveyards. And those castles and graveyards were inhabited by seductive female vampires who are either very energetic rule breakers or melancholy figures from a lost past. All right, now it's time for our feature presentation. This week, we watched Orchestrator of Storms, The Fantastic World of Jean Roland, 
written and directed by Dima Balin and Kat Ellinger. Uh, Dima Balin and Kat Ellinger's Years in the Making documentary tells the story of one of Eurocult cinema's most singular voices, French director Jean Roland. Um, this is a movie that uh, premiered, had its world premiere, as a matter of fact, at the Fantasia Film Festival. Um, and there are a lot of reviews coming out about it. And I thought it would be fun before because this is our 10th episode to do something different and talk about yeah. a documentary, which is, um, I will be honest, it took me about three <laughs> times to get through it like I would I would watch like I watched it in like three 45 minute increments um uh how about you it did not take me three tries it was lengthy um and it was uh I never got I wouldn't say bored but there were a couple moments where I was like you know sort of fading in and out of attention but then someone would come in speaking French and I'd have to jump back in to read the <laughs> subtitles. So that brought me back in. It's not that it was boring. It's just, you know, sometimes the nature of documentaries and I didn't know anything about this filmmaker before. So it was all new to me, which I did. I did think it was cool. I think it was a well-made documentary for someone who didn't know anything about this person before. Yeah. That was, uh, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. Um, like if you had ever seen any genre lamb movies or, mm -hmm. I, when the Lawrence Public Library first started offering Canopy, um, I signed up and started digging, immediately started searching for horror movies as one does, um, yep. and was very delighted and surprised to see that they had like a good round dozen Jean Roland movies. And so like I went on a binge like three or four years ago and just like watched everything they had for like, I would watch like one every other day for like the better part of a couple of weeks. Um, so I've seen like the big ones, um, yeah. like Living Dead Girl and the Grapes of Death and all of that. And like they are, I I am consistently surprised that he is not better known. Like it seems like he's the sort of director who like falls right into like the like, do you like Lucio Fulci movies? these have more nudity and look even better yeah like how have at the very least teenage boys not made these cult classics a little bit more because they, yeah they do seem to be a, a lot of nudity very kinky yeah i'm interested in seeking some out i'm not a teenage boy but they also look like they have good stories and yeah like it's it's a they're a lot of fun. Um, they're definitely like they're 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 visual treats and like they all kind of belie and they make a really good point about this in the documentary is that like he had really low budgets, but like he knew how to hide it. Like, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of production value uh, in these films, I think, just because he would find like these gorgeous locations to shoot at with, let's be fair, gorgeous actresses and like mm -hmm. that. That goes a really long way um, when you then start throwing, you know, like fake blood into the. <laughs> into yeah. The well, it also seemed like, you know, as far as like actors who might not demand as much of a premium, it seemed like he had a he was good at finding someone and sort of building them rather than finding established actors as much as. Yeah, the I, I really appreciate the fact that uh, Brigitte Lahaye, uh, Lahaye um, is in this uh, a lot um it which is very funny because the i want to say severin just put out like a couple of her films on blu-ray um uh, faceless and the female executioner and also there's a book that came out in france that is called the cult films of bridget lahai um was she the one who had mainly been a porn actress yes I really liked that she was like, I didn't want, I was happy doing porn. I didn't really want to do this other kind of regular acting, but I did it and I liked it. I ended up liking it. Yeah. Like she is legitimately like, um, there aren't very many people interviewed for this film, which I find uh, kind of interesting, but like her, her voice, um, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to like get his two main actresses to to mm -hmm. be a part of this um uh who is the other one that my brain does not want to let me uh francois pascal um uh they both have like great 
great stories, mm-hmm. which is important because you don't uh, there. There's like voiceover people like reading stuff he's written, but like you don't see anything other than really still images of yeah. the director in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. There didn't seem to be any like archival interviews footage or anything like that, which is feels a little unusual. But but I don't think it took away too much. It would have been cool to hear more of his actual take on things. Obviously, he's not with us anymore to give us any account now. But yeah, because uh, well, the the thing I really wish like that he did like I mean they they make mention of it. Um, that he he had like basically completed two films that were abandoned by um spanish director jess franco um and i wish they had kind of talked more about that and i have to imagine that there's like jess franco interviews where he talks about like why those movies he abandoned them he was fairly notorious for walking away from movies (laughs) (laughs) that makes people eager to work with you (laughs) right but the the crazy thing is is like just franco's movies have been available like over here for like pretty much since they the video hit in the 80s but like Mm -hmm. it took till the 90s i guess for jean roland like to make it like like i had only ever heard of like fascination and like that was the only thing and i thought he was just like he i heard french director and I just immediately was like, eh. and so like, I had no idea that there was like a French horror director. Cause yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if that's what took so long as his Frenchness that French hadn't, the French had not been known for their horror only for the their French kind didn't of really like him. either. Yeah. So people maybe were just like, Oh, it's probably stodgy emotional drama or whatever it is that the French are exactly known for. <laughs> or like Godard and like very experimental things. And yeah. I mean, he's kind of um like i'm gonna make these movies that are very hallucinogenic and you don't quite know what's going on but these ladies are attractive and naked for most of it so yeah so it it works on two levels for whichever (laughs) whichever thing you're here for (laughs) um but um like were were there like i mean i guess the like the the big name is like kirla janice is, is in this because she put out a book um, through her imprint spectacular optical called lost girls the phantasmagorical cinema of jean roland that came out about five years ago that is mm-hmm. a massive collection of essays that i have not read but i've heard many good things about um nice uh those like those books uh she puts out like these amazing books they are super pricey though um mm-hmm. um although you can i believe get it in pdf but it's still like 20 bucks yeah <laughs> Um, were there were there like any movies that you saw and you're like that's one I need to check out? Um, I didn't write any down, which is a problem. But like, I mean, my my general vibe was like I need to find some of these, you know, any of them that can be found. I don't know how easy any of them are to stream or if I would have to buy them. I didn't do that legwork like I should have to look into. It definitely made me interested to watch some of them and curious about them though, and it made me think about like oh I can see in these other movies that I have seen where they might have been influenced by if not Jean Roland maybe like the kind of movement that he was adjacent to if that makes sense so currently available like I brought up Canopy while you were talking uh currently okay. available on uh Canopy which your public library will likely offer um that's an excellent streaming service. Um, you can find Lips of Blood, The Demoniacs. <coughs> Damn. Sorry, I've got cough. Uh, the Shiver of the Vampire, Requiem for a Vampire, The Living Dead Girl, The Grapes of Death, The Iron Rose, Two Orphan Vampires, um, Night of the Hunted, The Rape of the Vampire, Dracula's Fiance, The Escapees, and Killing Car. Um, so that is like a solid... Um, yeah, that's a... That is 13 movies. Good education. Yeah. Uh unfortunately, um, Fascination, which is probably like his most well known regarded film. Um, I'm not quite sure where that's streaming right now, but um, I do highly recommend like The Grapes of Death is very weird, like take on the zombie movie, and the Living nice. Dead Girl um is you know, 
it's it's kind of a classic for a reason like it's it's very weird and i really love it i kind of want to rewatch that again (laughs) cool yeah i need to get i need to get more into canopy because i do have it through my library i just don't spend enough time with it obviously yeah i think it i think it is a forgotten one um it's kind of a weird one um but it's definitely got some really good it's very good for art films um Hmm. let's put it that way um like i I don't know like the pbs of streaming services even though pbs has its own yeah streaming app the pbs of pbs um but yeah like i mean uh, aside from like wishing that like um it was a little more visually cohesive because i feel like some of the imagery and stuff is like blown up so much that it looks really like you can tell it's a digital image um Mm -hmm. i i i enjoyed the interviews um it made me want to go back and rewatch a bunch of jean roland movies so Mm -hmm. yeah i think if if you're the type of person who likes documentaries i think you'd like this one uh sometimes i find documentaries can get tedious and repetitive this one was not repetitive at all there were maybe some lags i mean it's a documentary but i never felt like Oh, I'm in class. You know, it oh, it felt always <laughs> pretty engaging, very thorough for the most part. Oops. So I, I think if you like documentaries that you would like it. So um it's currently touring festivals. I assume it will probably make its way to like it's it it's been received very well. So I, I have to assume that it's going to make its way to like arrow at some point like mm-hmm. that that that's my guess is that it would end up like on arrows streaming service um that seems very much like their jam so um what else should you watch if you um enjoyed or did like this movie sounds like it's your jam um i picked two documentaries what did you pick well i'm not as versed in documentaries as you are i don't seek them out that often so I didn't really have a documentary wealth of knowledge to pull from so instead I picked movies that I thought of while watching this documentary that are they're modern movies but that I thought that they live in that surrealist space and they're they don't have the the nudity aspect and that but but they live in that space of what's happening here um one of which is climate of the hunter and that came out I think last year two years ago I saw it at festivals and it's sort of a really weird surreal is it a vampire situation where you just have a couple of women who are fawning over this man that they've known for years and he seems to have a hold on them and you never really kind of know what's going on for sure but it's just it's a set in a realistic world that doesn't seem real and then the other one is this one I saw at festivals last year called The Lodger, which is a French movie. And it's about a woman who goes to live, you know, she she rents out a room in a house of a widow while she's going to nursing school. And she quickly realizes that the widow still sort of thinks that her husband is alive and still has conversations with him and whatnot. And so at first she resists that, then she kind of starts playing along because that's what the woman wants. And the more she plays along, the more she starts to hear this man, see this man. So you're in the space of, is this real? Who is having a mental break? Is anyone having a mental break? And then by the end, you're just like, you don't know what you saw or if any of it was real. It, it kind of, it, it kind of ends in a really bonkers place, but it, those two movies just came to mind while I was watching the documentary. Yeah, I I picked like two documentaries, one uh, about an actor and one about like a director who are lesser known. One is the documentary about noted character actor Dick Miller entitled That Guy Dick Miller, um, which is fascinating and charming um, and has like so many people talking about like how much they love him and like. Uh, why they wanted to work with him and things like that. Like Joe Dante puts him in like almost all of his movies uh, in some way, shape or form. Um, it's, it's, it's charming. Uh, uh, and considering he he passed um, really like not recently, it was very impressive that they were able to like get this 
mm-hmm. like capturing him still working at the at the end of it all. Uh, and the other one is uh, King Cohen, the wild world of filmmaker Larry Cohen. Um, that's again, like it's one of those things like where like they get everybody who worked with Larry Cohen nice. and Larry Cohen's in it. And then he died. Um, so it's like, um, yeah, no, the, the Larry Cohen one, uh, I was, re- I was very lucky to get to interview the director of the film and also Larry Cohen himself, uh, wow. and, uh, when that came out and man, I'm so glad, <laughs> like, I'm so glad I did. Cause it was like a last minute thing. And they were just like, you want to talk to Larry? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I know we only get 15 minutes, but I'm going to take it. Um, Heck yeah. but yeah. But yeah, both of those documentaries are really great ways to like dive into like some one and their work that you might not be familiar with and like end up with like a, a, a list next to your like on your end table next to the couch. Yeah, for sure. I want to watch both of those now. <laughs> I'll be right back all right what do you have coming up uh i just yesterday um got a, an advanced reading copy of clay mcleod chapman's new book the ghost eaters um i was a big fan of his two previous books the oh i can't remember his first one um i want to say it's the summoning but i'm sure that's wrong um but uh whisper down the lane uh was great um the one that came out in paperback earlier this year and now he's got a new one coming out in september and they sent me an arc and i'm very excited to read that one um i also got one for uh like a horror novel called bad cree um which uh seems kind of fascinating so uh yeah i'm gonna try and take some time away from at least the the tv screen this week um although i still need to watch they slash them and pray so yep. th- those are on the the list yep those you- are my to-do list as well i was gonna say i, I want to watch pray i want to watch they slash them um i saw black phone in the theater but it's coming to peacock as well it's within the next week or two i think oh good and rob wants to watch it so i think we'll probably probably watch that again i think it was good enough for a second watch um i'm also preparing to go poke around stores as their halloween stuff comes out i hear that the spirit halloween nearby on shawnee mission parkway might already be open so i'd have to go do my first pass at that since i i had covid last week so i haven't been out of the house much and uh seems like a good way to re-enter the world is throw on my mask and go poke around at some halloween decorations yeah, Tanya texted me while she was out running errands. She was at Michael's and they have like their Halloween village stuff up. And yes. it looked like this year they're going big. Like okay, they're adding that to the list of places. To yeah, like today. usually there's like one or two big like houses and then like a bunch of smaller ones. There's like there was like a front rows, like five that wow. were just like a foot and a half, two feet tall. And I was like, Dang. I want to go see them in person and see what sights and sounds they make. Yeah, someday I'll win the lottery and by myself one of those villages but that day is not today (laughs) just have to look for now i want to buy i want to buy a bunch of halloween villages and then put a christmas train around it yes yes um so uh we've got stickers please email us at carnage report pod at gmail.com if you'd like one and we'll give you an address and you can send us a self-addressed stamped envelope and when we get it we'll slap a sticker in it and send it back to you um we got them from sticker mule i will probably get more (laughs) Um, cause I need to put them on more things. They're very good stickers. All right. So. You can find us some places to interact with us and talk to us on Twitter and Instagram. We are report carnage and you can email us at carnage report pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on anything we talked about, anything you want us to talk about, anything you think that we got completely wrong. Tell us about it. <laughs> Or just reach out and say hi, retweet our stuff, help us get more people listening. I have no idea how many people are listening. It could be three. It could be 30. 
it's probably not 300 but you <laughs> never know what we could get there uh all the music featured in this episode is by my brother steve spacek who you can find on instagram at starling woodworks and at nodder that is n-o-d-d-e-r dot bandcamp dot com julie where can they find you on socials i am on twitter and instagram at dark humor girl and you can find the things that i write at downrightcreepy.com and modernhorrors.com and how about you I am on Twitter at NuthousePunks. I am on Instagram at NicklausMouse. Um, you can find my writing at The Pitch, where I am a music editor, and uh, various places around the web, like uh, Starburst Magazine, where I seem to be doing a bunch of on-camera stuff. It's very weird. Fun. It's a new thing. I, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, yeah. We'll be back next episode with another roundup of the latest news in horror. And we will be discussing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies from director Helena Rain. Yay. Um, would you like to describe it for the folks listening? I would love to. When a group of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion, a party game goes awry in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very, very wrong. Uh, they evidently had press previews this week and all the reviews coming out make it seem like this is something that you want to see with a bunch of folks. Yeah, I am super excited. I thought it came out this week, so I'd already been excited, but it looks like it's next week. Yeah, I think it's limited release this week, which it yeah. always... We're not in a limited market. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. Um, but thanks for listening, everyone. Um, yeah. We hope you have fun. And we'll see you next episode. Yes. Go watch Bodies, 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 and then come and tell us what you thought so we can incorporate it. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.